adjusted for me because I spoke last. Yeah. So you'll want to adjust it right, right yeah. towards your mouth. Is that? Right here. Yep. So that's really good, and then they can still see you in the cameras. So it looks kind of low, but that's perfect. And I don't think you need the box. I think you're good. No.
Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome, one and all. It is so good to see everybody here this morning. Welcome to you if you're worshiping here in our sanctuary. And a very special welcome to any visitors who are here among us. We're delighted that you're here, and we hope that everybody feels very much at home here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. Also, welcome to those of you who are watching us online. We know we have several people that watch us each week through uh, through sermons.net, through our website, or also through Facebook, and so we are grateful to uh, have you all worshiping with us as well. And I love seeing, we've worshiped a few times on Facebook when we've been out of town, and you can see people greeting each other just like we greet each other here in the sanctuary. So we know you're doing that online, and we're grateful for your presence with us also this morning. Please do sign the friendship pad. It's in a maroon cover on the inside aisle of each pew if you would sign that. If you'd mark your attendance with us and then pass that down the row and see who's worshiping with you. And if you don't know them, then please do greet them and say hello to them uh, in just a few minutes when we pass the peace. You'll see a nominating form in the back of your bulletin. If you would please um, think about those who might serve as deacons or elders, officers in the church, and you can submit that. You can tear it off the bulletin back cover and put that in the offering plate or send it to the church office, we would appreciate very much as we begin our nominating process the names of those who you consider um, might serve as deacons or elders beginning next year. You'll see many other announcements in there. I'll call your attention to uh, the Search for Children's Ministry Director. There are position descriptions available at different tables on the church. It's also on our website, and if you know someone who might be interested in serving in that capacity as our next Director of Ministry to Children, then you can pick up one of those position descriptions and see that, and we would love for you to pass that along to them and and to see if they might be interested in that job. The women's retreat is coming up in two weeks, and there is an announcement in the bulletin about that. You can see lots of information. The registration for that is drawing to a close uh, this week, so we want to be sure that you uh, get your name on the list for the women's retreat. It's a day-long retreat here, the first Saturday in November Please do sign up for that. We are adding a component for dads and kids this year where if, uh, if mom happens to be at the women's retreat, then dads and kids can join Pastor Will at the zoo at 11 o'clock um, for a special adventure around the zoo. And after that, Pastor Will will buy every child who's there ice cream after lunch. And not just a scoop, but mountains of ice cream just piled together with uh, all kinds of sauces and sprinkles and everything. Just a, So please come to the zoo, dads and kids, and we'll have fun while moms are at the uh, women's retreat. But you need to sign up for both of those adventures. Who will have the bigger adventure, the zoo crew or the women at the retreat? I don't know. It'll be good for everybody. Campfire and Cocktails is a fundraiser this afternoon at 5 o'clock at Shady Grove Press for um, the Pinecrest uh, Camp, Pinecrest Camp. Please see the announcement about that. Um, other announcements that are there in your bulletin, you want to make sure you see, take the bulletin with you, and look at all of those different announcements as you find your place to serve in the life of GPC. And let me highlight especially, you'll see a baby rose on our baptismal font and that is in celebration of the birth of Robert Goodwin Cantor, who was born on October the 12th to Maggie Fessmeyer Cantor and her husband Ted Cantor. 
And of course, we celebrate with them. We celebrate with Karen and Bill Festmeyer and the birth of another grandson, and we're delighted for them. So please say a prayer of gratitude for young Robert Goodwin. And if you see Bill or Karen, please congratulate them and uh, lift them up in prayer also as grandparents in that celebration. Those are all of our regular announcements this morning. Now we have a special announcement from Tracy Whitaker and Engaging Our Potential. Good morning. So by now, most of you have heard of our new capital campaign called Engaging Our Potential. This is a very simple two-year, one-fund campaign that works like this. We want to focus our giving on our regular business of the church for 2022 and for 2023, which is approximately $2 million per year. Plus, we want to raise additional funds to eliminate GPC's approximate $1.6 million debt. So that's, just to reiterate, $2 million for 2022, $2 million for 2023, $1.6 million in debt for a total of $5.6 million over the next two years. Now, the Stewardship Committee has told us recently that we already have the money needed for this. It's just in our pockets. So as Alan Callicott told us last week, where the potential comes into play is this. By eliminating this debt, we free up $120,000 in debt service each year. Those funds would allow us to focus on other potential projects and ministries, such as providing for youth programming, basketball teams, soccer teams, uh, developing and utilizing the South Lawn, providing additional transportation for our special needs programs, implementing activity center kitchen improvements. We need to enhance our communications and technology and our children's ministry technology. And that would allow us to do a lot of those projects. Where the engage comes into play is we really want to encourage all of our members to engage with the automatic draft feature that's available on the church website in order to offer a more predictable annual offering. For those who are already using this, we ask you to consider increasing your giving over the next couple of years to help with this initiative. And for those who are not using this, I encourage you to do so. It's very easy to get set up and it can really impact our budget. So please be praying about how you can make an impact prior to Commitment Sunday on November 21st. I know this initiative has certainly inspired Emmett and me to be more disciplined with our giving, and we hope it will do the same for many of you. So as we continue to hear more about engaging our potential, perhaps we can find it in our hearts to show God how thankful we are for the gifts he has given us and for the work that continues at GPC. Thank you.
We gather in Christ's name to fill this place with our praise of God. God is worthy of our devotion. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. Praises of God shall continually be in my mouth. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, who answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to the Lord and be radiant, so your face shall never be ashamed. God is merciful and just, and God is quick to forgive those who repent. Let us confess our sin and acknowledge our need for God's grace. Let us pray. Holy God, have mercy upon us. We need your grace daily, just as we need food and water. Your love nourishes our souls, and it fuels us to live well and rightly. We, however, cannot help but integrate your love through our sin. For this, our sin, we repent. We grieve our sin and pray for mercy in the name of the Lord who embodies your love. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ's death on the cross reconciles us to God. His resurrection brings us new life in God's presence. I declare to you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward for the children's sermon, please greet those around you with a sign of God's peace. All the young and young at heart. Thank y'all. How are y'all this morning? Good. Have you ever wanted to get someone's attention and they weren't listening to you? Ever. Have you ever wanted to get someone's attention so much that you were shouting their name? Yeah? I have, for sure. Well, our Bible story this morning is about a man who really, really wanted to get Jesus' attention so much that he was shouting Jesus' name. He was saying, Jesus, Jesus. And do you know what all the people around him were saying to him? Shh! Has anyone ever said that to you? If you're trying to get someone's attention, has anyone ever said, shh? Well, all the people around him were telling him to be quiet, and really not even in those kinds of words as shh is. But the man kept calling, Jesus, Jesus, and do you know what Jesus did? What? He did, but before that... Before that, he listened to people. Jesus heard this man calling his name. And even though all the people around were telling this man to be quiet, Jesus said, what do you need? He heard the man calling and he said, what do you need? And the man told him what he needed and Jesus said, then you shall have what you need. So the lesson for us this morning is that Jesus wants to hear from us. Whatever our needs are, whether we're happy or sad or afraid, or whatever is going on in our lives, Jesus wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from us in quiet whispers or in loud shouts. Jesus, Jesus, let's practice that together. Jesus, Jesus, let me hear you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus wants to hear from us no matter what is going on in our lives. That's what we want to remember today, that Jesus will hear you. Jesus will turn around. Jesus will ask you, what do you need? And Jesus will help you. Let's remember that as we go into this day and into this week. 
And so let us listen as I pray for us, okay? Almighty God, we thank you for bringing us into this place to worship your holy name. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that you hear us when we speak to you. We thank you, Almighty God, and we ask that you would show us how you call us to serve you today. Through Christ we pray, and let us say together, Amen. Thank you, kids.
Dear God, as we hear these words, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us. Guide us in our faith, hope, and love. Show us how to live as Jesus' followers today and every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our first reading comes from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 7 through 9. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind, the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. That's one of the great Old Testament stories of, of God's promise to bring people together, to, to bring people from north and south and east and west, those uh, all kinds of different people, the lame, those who are hurt, those who are vulnerable, to bring them back together to a place where they shall have a home. There's a similar story in the New Testament that comes from the Gospel of Mark where you see all kinds of people uh, start to follow Jesus and start to come to him and, get, and the, the crippled, the lame the blind, people with um, all kinds of needs gather around Jesus and he hears them like he does in this story from Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. They came to Jericho and Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. When they were doing so, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and he followed Jesus on the way. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. often try to imagine what it must have been like for Bartimaeus to live his life in darkness like that. I know we have some church members, maybe you've got someone in your family who has either been born blind or has lost eyesight over the years of their life. What is that like? How do people cope? Where did Bartimaeus live when he wasn't there beside the city gate in Jericho begging? Where did he sleep at night? What did he do? How did he get by? I remember my grandfather lost sight in one of his eyes in a training uh, in, at the very beginning of World War II. He was a swimming instructor. He was training people to go into the Navy first how to swim, 
which is good if you're going into the Navy. And then he was also teaching them how to jump out of a ship and jump into the water. Well, he, there was an accident, and he hit the water in the wrong way, and it damaged his eye, and then he lost sight in that eye. Not completely blind, but that eye for him was all darkness. I read recently about a woman named Doris who lives in Indianapolis, and she, in her younger adult life, watched her mother go blind through macular degeneration, and then she herself noticed her sight was starting to diminish, and she was also diagnosed with macular degeneration. And it was a very frightening time for her. She was very independent, lived in her own home. She owned her house. She loved to cook. She loved to travel, loved to be out in and around people. And she writes this. She says, seeing what my mother went through, I don't know any other word except terrifying to think that this would be my future as well. It was such a low point in my life. Emotionally, it was wrenching. After that, she sort of sank into a spiritual darkness at the thought of what her future might be like if she were blind, which did happen to her. She became blind. Now, we don't know about Bartimaeus. We don't know when he was born blind, when he was, became blind. Maybe he was born that way. Maybe it happened to him with an illness or maybe an accident. Perhaps um, he was there for years and years on the side of the road with no light. People with disabilities back in the time of the New Testament, they lived very much on the margins of society. And so Bartimaeus was on the margins. He lived during the day on the margin of the road, which we call a ditch, just there hoping that somebody might be kind enough to put a little meat down in front of him, to put uh, some morsel of bread, maybe to put a few coins down in front of him. He had to beg to rely on other people's mercy. And so, of course, he couldn't see people approaching him. Maybe he could hear people coming, but he didn't know their intent. So you know he had to have been robbed and stolen from, probably roughed up a lot as he sat there by the city gate of Jericho. So, of course... Of course, when Jesus walks by, Bartimaeus is desperate. Can you hear the desperation in his voice? Mark tells us that he cried out, which is this Greek verb, krodzo. It actually comes from uh, the Greek language, and it means the cry of a raven. Have you heard a raven cry out? It's a very shrill call, a very high-pitched, shrill noise. There are people in in the New Testament who cry out like this. It's actually fascinating to read through the number of people who approach Jesus and to actually see this verb is used, that people cry out in Jesus' presence a lot, which means they are desperate. Peter, remember, is sinking in the Sea of Galilee, confident one minute walking on the water, and then when he starts to sink, it it says this. He uses this verb, he he cries out, reaching up, crying out, for Jesus to help him. And it's fascinating also to see this same verb used, which in some places should be translated screaming in fear. The same verb is used to describe Jesus on the cross. Do you remember right before he dies, it says that Jesus crodzo, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then darkness descends on his life. 
people around Bartimaeus assumed that when he is crying out, crying out for Jesus to hear him, people assumed that Jesus was just way too important, way too busy to be bothered by this blind man on the margin in the road. So they order him to be quiet. It says they sternly ordered him, and appropriate for a children's sermon to say, they told him to shh. They didn't really tell him to shh. Um, They told him to shut up. I don't know if you've got certain phrases or words that are verboten in your house, but in our house, shut up is not allowed. Shut up is such a sign of disrespect. It's such a sign of contempt. It's dismissive. And there's no way that this beggar in rags, they think, is going to stop this important teacher on his journey. And so they tell him to shut up. Now, we don't know exactly who did that, but it is likely, of course, that there would have been several religious leaders in the crowd that day. It's, they're coming out of Jericho. Jericho was 15 miles from Jerusalem. And we know that there were lots of priests and Levites who were in this period leading up to the Passover. Priests and Levites lived in Jericho. Many of them did. There were thousands of them who worked at the temple in Jerusalem. They were given into 36 different groups that worked on a rotation in the temple. Many of them lived in Jericho. So remember how the story of the Good Samaritan, it starts with this traveler on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And who are the people that that walk by on the other side of the road, leaving the robbed man lying there for dead? A priest and a Levite, because they were always traveling on this road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And so they were likely there around Jesus in this crowd, telling Bartimaeus to shut up. So his desperation and screaming only became louder when they told him to shut up, to be quiet. They tried to silence him. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He shouts it out even louder because Bartimaeus knows this might be his last chance. This might be his last chance, his only chance. I think Bartimaeus would have picked up information about Jesus from people traveling on that road as he sat there and begged. He would hear passers-by who might have been up in Galilee. Maybe they had seen Jesus teach. Maybe someone was part of the crowd of the feeding of the 5,000s. Bartimaeus would have overheard the news about Jesus as he was traveling toward Jerusalem. He knows that Jesus is, is unique. He knows that Jesus is special. He knows that Jesus somehow represents God. And so when Jesus comes near him, he has to cry out because he knows this might be his only chance. So he cries out for mercy. Now, there's great wisdom in Bartimaeus' thinking here because sometimes I think we shrink back from opportunities when they are right in front of us. Maybe we think we'll get another chance or another chance or a chance after that. You may have some desperation in your life right now due to some trial. Maybe there's some crisis, some relationship crisis. You have this real window now for healing and for forgiveness. You have the opportunity for reconciliation. All you have to do is cry out. All you have to do is cry out and Jesus will hear you. Jesus will stop and he will hear you. But you can't assume that there will be limitless opportunities and that God will always be at your beck and call whenever you decide 
the time is right. Because the time is now. And you can't squander it. The time is now. Don't let Jesus keep walking by you. If you cry out like Bartimaeus did, Jesus will answer you. Bartimaeus cried out again for mercy, and and Jesus does stop. He stops when he hears his name. He stops when he hears that word, mercy, because the word mercy, it would have just resonated. It would have reverberated in his ears and in his heart like it would have for all of those Jewish people because the word mercy in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, contains so much meaning. The word mercy, compassion, grace, power, love, divine sympathy, divine God coming to us, God's presence, it's all wrapped up in the concept of mercy. Mercy acknowledges that one person has some kind of authority over the other person, and in that authority they have the ability to make that other person's affliction easier or better. If you're in a position to grant mercy, it means that you have some power over somebody else and and over their circumstances. So Bartimaeus cries out, cries out for mercy, crying out for Jesus to use his power and his authority to bring relief to his life. Jesus is not going to ignore your pleas. If you cry out to Jesus, he is not going to keep on walking by you just like he did not walk past Bartimaeus. But he stops. He calls Bartimaeus over and he asks him a very direct question. What do you want me to do for you? Now, I think Jesus probably already knew what Bartimaeus really needed and what he wanted. But he asked this question anyway because to do so is to treat Bartimaeus as a real person. As a person with whom he is engaging. Someone with agency and personality and dignity. He's not stopping out of inconvenience. He's not treating Bartimaeus passively as if he is some distraction to deal with on his way into doing more important things. For Jesus, there is never, there's never anything or anybody more important than the person that he is facing at that moment in his life. That person is always the most important person for Jesus in that moment when he stops to talk and to ask and to heal. Bartimaeus is not just some demonstration of his power. He is a man standing face to face with Jesus who asks for his sight back. He asks for his vision. When Jesus stands in front of you, When Jesus calls you to Him and when you stand face to face, prayer to prayer, when you are are seeing Jesus in your own quiet time, be specific in your prayers. Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? What can I do for you? Be specific. Name it before Him. Tell Jesus what you really, really need. And the result for you, I think, will be the same as it was for Bartimaeus. His vision was restored, but his healing was much more than that. It's always more than that in these stories. Jesus had mercy on him, and out of that revelation and that experience of divine mercy, Bartimaeus' life was changed. His life was changed. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And Bartimaeus could see again, and then with renewed sight, what did he do? Did he go find a job? Did he go, um, go find his father? Did he go find his friends? Anybody else? No. 
What he did from that moment on was to follow Jesus. Out of his faith, he was made well, and then he followed Jesus. And it's fascinating because in the New Testament, healing stories like this one, especially stories about blindness, they always have these different tiers of meaning. They always have double meanings and a deeper meaning. On a surface level, okay, this is a story about Jesus healing a man who was blind. But in the Gospels, as you peel away layers and you look at these stories, and really in the whole Bible, writers always use the concept of sight symbolically and spiritually. There is our our physical sight, which is important, but there's another kind of sight that comes from the heart, a sight with faith that is even more important. Psalm 146, for example, says, the Lord gives sight to the blind, but it connects that sight with categories of attitudes and categories of the heart. The Lord gives sight to the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Those who see God don't see so much with their eyes as they do with their heart. In Genesis, Hagar is rescued by God, and she says, You are the God who sees me. I have now seen the God who sees me. Paul talks about the eyes of the heart and how they are enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself talks about our eyes, and he talks about if your eye is healthy, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your body is full of darkness. Now, he's not talking about our eyeballs and our physical sight, our ability to see. What he's talking about is what our eyes look at and what our eyes see and what we focus on that comes from the heart and that comes from our mind, that comes from our lives. Where do you cast your vision? What does your heart gaze after? That's what he means by the health of the eye. It's really the health of the heart. So in the Bible, there's your eyesight, and then there is your soul sight, your vision that comes from a way that is above and beyond your eyes. Jesus heals people's eyes like Bartimaeus, But when he does so, he's also healing their souls. He's healing their lives. They have this new vision for God. People like Bartimaeus follow Jesus with their hearts when their eyes have been opened. They're no longer in darkness. Their lives are full of light. So I ask you, how is your vision today? How is your vision? Do you see well? Or do you need a checkup? I'm not talking about your eyesight, talking about your soul sight. Is there any kind of darkness in you that needs the light of God's love? Are you blind to someone else or are blind in your relationship with someone else in some way or another? Do you need a new vision for life? Do you need God to come in and and to shed light on some part of your heart that can give you a new vision and a new emphasis for who you are as a follower? Do you need healing? Do you need restoration? Your vision and your ability to see Jesus and to know Him and to be known by Him, that is what this story is really all about. Will you let Jesus heal your vision so that He can really heal your soul, so that He can heal your life? If you let Jesus do that, don't let him pass by, but, but, but cry out to him, especially if you're in a desperate place in your life right now. 
Cry out to Him and, and let Him stop, and He will stop, and He will call you forward, and you'll be face to face with Jesus. Let Him heal you so that like Bartimaeus, you will follow Him for the rest of your life. Amen. My sisters and brothers, we've been blessed to hear God's word both read and proclaimed to us. And so in response, I invite you to stand as we affirm our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. There's this great line from another prophet named Isaiah who prefigured the story that we just heard, and he says, Seek the Lord while he wills to be found. Call upon him when he draws near. So Jesus, as he has come to us this morning, let's have a conversation with him. Let's join together in prayer. Jesus, we are incredibly humbled and grateful that you care so much that every time we cry out to you, every time we want to spend quality time with you, you show up. And you have showed up this morning. And so we're going to take your advice and be specific in the depths of our hearts and sharing what has brought us to the margins of life. God, there's a lot of blindness, not just physical. We see so much blindness in our world when it comes to appreciating and cherishing each other and valuing not just the humanity but the beauty in each person. Maybe because someone is different or they come from a different culture. And we ask, Lord, you to heal those places of blindness. Lord, we feel in so many parts of our community and industry that that there are many businesses that are just struggling right now with supply chain issues and trying to get um, things over the goal line and Lord, things are so slow and it's hard. And companies are missing out and people are getting frustrated. We ask you to heal that. Lord, you know better than us the divisions that are separating us and not just our country, but all over the world. Not only this health crisis, but so many different levels. 
So we ask you to stand in the middle and be the bridge, be the glue, be the tie that binds us together and brings forth in us our best self, our new selves, the people of love and joy and peace and so many other things. Lord, we remember our sisters and brothers in the Pacific Northwest that are right now scrambling because there's a terrible storm on the way. And God, we ask that you would protect them, give them the supplies that they need, and help them to endure this storm and to rebuild on the other side and to take deeper care of one another. Lord, you know what's going on in our lives. You know the blindness that has kept us and put barriers between us and our spouses, our kids, our friends. Maybe someone here who we haven't had the chance to meet yet that you have good plans for us to get to know and welcome into our hearts as family and faith. God, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our lives to your transforming work. And as we enter deeper, we hear your words bubbling up within us, and we join together in saying the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because Jesus has stopped and listened and encountered us, not just this morning, but every day before this and every day after this, we are a new people, a people of grace and gratitude, of love and hospitality, so in obedience to scripture and in gratitude for all that God has done in our lives, we offer to him our tithes and offerings. So I invite the ushers to come forward and receive our gifts to God.
let us turn again to Almighty God in prayer. Gracious God, we offer you our gifts and our very selves. We pray that you will receive them as a sign of our commitment to follow Jesus as his disciples wherever he leads us to go, and that you will use our gifts and our lives to further your kingdom on earth. Through Christ we pray and your people say, Amen.
Christian friends, we remember the words of Scripture that tell us to keep alert, stand firm, be courageous and strong, and let everything you do be done in love. And so now we leave this service to go out to love and serve the Lord and to love and serve our neighbors as ourselves. As we go, may the grace of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen.